I was reading after my devotions this morning, and sorry, Brian, this isn't in there. Um, uh, after my devotions this morning about uh, the struggle that many are having with identity. And the struggle that comes from uh, what, what took place with the pandemic and all of the mental stuff that goes with it. Uh, the way that our culture is, is pushing uh, the, the, the whole gender confusion. Um, all of that, that sort of stuff that comes... Uh, that, that has come down the road. And, and the author of the article was talking about, uh, it's quite profound <clears throat> when you think about how the devil does his work to get us to question our own identities. And he said, actually, as he went through the account of Jesus Christ, when he was, he was tempted in, in, in the desert, uh, that's the one thing that the devil attacked was the identity of Jesus Christ. If you are the Son of God, right? Uh, that was the first thing that the devil attacked. And so, can I encourage each and every one of us here, uh, wh whether you're a father, son, mother, daughter, uh, brother, sister, whatever it is, that title that you have attached to yourself, uh, can you bring that under the banner of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are a Christian. And that's your identity. Saved by the grace of God. That's who you are. And all of those other things that kind of help define who you are come under that umbrella. Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I, I, if we, we start to think in terms of that, uh, I think that, that in our own lives, in, in the lives of the church in general, um, we begin to have healing. Because we, we need to identify ourselves as that first and foremost. That's all we really are. And that's what matters. Uh, but I didn't want to talk about that today. I wanted to talk about uh, our joy. Again, and, and, and Hannah kindly reminded me, well, you've already talked about joy. I, I don't think that we can talk about joy enough because as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this amazing gift that exists that uh, the rest of the world just needs to be made aware of. And, and I know that there's a lot of like anxiety that actually comes with talking about the joy of the Lord because Christians feel like they just have to be happy all the time. And that's not what the joy of the Lord prescribes. We, we have to understand that. And so I want to unpack this a little bit. As we read through the New Testament, we actually encounter a unique connection between the Holy Spirit and joy. I'll give you a few examples. Luke tells us uh, at one point, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us, uh, or tells us uh, through th the Thessalonians uh, and to the Thessalonian Christians that they had received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And in Romans, Paul instructs us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 14, 17. I, I, I call this connection unique uh, because the New Testament pairs joy with the Holy Spirit in a way that it doesn't with any other affections. 
So, so for instance, we don't read of people experiencing the sorrow of the Holy Spirit or the anger of the Holy Spirit, even though it is clear that the Spirit can be grieved in Ephesians 4.30 and can be angered in Romans 1.18. So why does the New Testament uniquely tie the joy or our joy to the Holy Spirit? Well, we, uh, in order for us to explore this question, we, we kind of briefly have to look at who and what the Holy Spirit is. What, what it means for us to experience the Spirit-empowered joy, and then what difference it makes in the Christian's life. So there's two qualifications before uh, I dive into this in, in, in any more detail. First, uh, the few words that I have to share about this, uh, the nature of the Holy Spirit, I believe... Uh, foundationally are, are foundationally helpful for us to understand joy uh, and how that joy is produced in us through the Holy Spirit. But I just don't have the space here to really go into it in really great detail. So a lot of the stuff that I kind of pulled from uh, was from uh, my, my devotional time, and I, I go through a little bit of a devotional uh, called Solid Joy. Uh, it, it's uh, one put out by... John Piper, I believe. Uh, there's some stuff in there. Uh, even though theologically, I don't necessarily see eye to eye entirely with Mr. Piper, I do still have a belief that he speaks the word of God in truth. And so there's some good stuff that I pulled there. I also had a professor uh, by the name of Randall Rouser who wrote some stuff. His stuff is really heady and wordy and all that sort of, but I pulled some of that from, from there as well. And so I don't really have a whole lot of time to go into detail, but if you want... I would encourage you to kind of explore uh, some of those ideas, uh, some of those authors. And if you need more, I can give you more later. The second thing is that it's helpful to keep in mind that while Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as a divine person, um, distinct from the Father and the Son, it also describes Him as the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son. So in one place, Paul refers to the Spirit in all three Trinitarian ways, in the space of three verses, which is in Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. So as we talk about the joy of the Holy Spirit, we need to remember the oneness of God. Now let's, let's get a little bit deeper here into the nature of the Trinity as it re relates to joy. Uh, citing New Testament texts such as 1 John 4, 16, part B, it says, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So theologians, for as far back as Augustine, have understood the Holy Spirit to be the living, personified love flowing between the Father and the Son. So if you turn and you got your Bibles or it's up on the screen, John 17, verse 26, it says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Do we, do we see this connection? Do we understand this, this, this idea of how the Holy Spirit is really the love of God in and through Christians and in and through us as well as we stand here in this place to make his glory known? And so we're going to tie all of this together. I have this friend, he wrote a book and he put it this way. 
This means that the joy is at the heart of reality. I, I want you to get this. Joy is at the heart of reality. God is love. Most or means most deeply, God is joy in God. So this is really kind of hard to wrap our heads around, and I really want you to understand this. When, when we say God is love, it really means in the most profound way that God actually is joy in God. See, we only find joy in the reality of who God is. If an essential dimension of the Spirit's nature is that He is God's, God's joy in God, then this helps us to understand what makes joy that He produces in you and I more distinct than any other joy that we could talk about. When we experience the joy of the Holy Spirit, we taste the joy that is at the core of ultimate reality. And I know some of you are sitting there going like, what are you even talking about? Let's unpack this. When we talk about joy, in terms of what the Bible has to say, the joy that we experience is a joy from God, which is actually God's joy in God, and God is glorified. So you and I actually experience joy... By glorifying God. <laughs> Wait a minute. We experience joy by glorifying God. That, that should be, that, 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 that's a no-brainer, right? Then why are so many of us miserable? I don't, I, don't, I don't care what you do for a living. It, you can glorify God in absolutely everything that you do. You can glorify God in, in, in your work, in your home, in your marriage. You can glorify God even in your brokenness. And that's God's joy in God, or that is God finding joy in himself through his glorification. For when we were born again by the Spirit, we received the outstanding, incredible, empowering, priceless gift of the Holy Spirit who resides in us, just as Jesus promised. John 14, we read, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. You see, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Father and the Son dwell in us as well, and we in them. This is different than a lot of what other or a lot of other religions will teach. You do not become God. You do not become like God. But you have fellowship with God in a very profound way. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Father dwells in us, and the Son dwells in us, 
and we dwell in them. And that should rock your socks. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home, or we will come to him and make our home with him. Given all that Jesus says about the Spirit in John 14 through 16, we know that the Spirit factored significantly, significantly in what he meant when he said in verse 1511, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. There is nothing in this world that can fill you with joy other than ultimate reality. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy you the, the way that you need to be satisfied other than the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can abide in the Son and the only way the Son and the Father can abide in us, the only way the Son's words can truly abide in us, and the only way the Son's joy in the Father and the Father's joy in the Son can abide in us is by the Helper, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now, now I know that there's, there's a whole bunch of different teachings on the nature and understanding of the Holy Spirit, and myself being... Baptist don't have any idea uh, of the Holy Spirit, but um, I know that the power of the Holy Spirit has the ability to transform even the hardest of hearts, has the ability to remove the blinders uh, from even the most profoundly blind. The power of the Holy Spirit is a very real thing. And the Bible is very clear to you and I that the power of the Holy Spirit indwelt in us actually brings us joy. Because the Holy Spirit as the helper allows us to glorify God with every part of our being. This is why Jesus said our experience of the Holy Spirit should be like rivers of living water. They should be within us. The Spirit is the indwelling wellspring of joy in God that we experience as we live by faith in the Son of God. This brings us to the unique experience of joy that a Christian experiences by the power of the Holy Spirit in this age. You see, we, we see it all over the New Testament, but Paul captures it most beautifully in Romans 15, 13. He says, May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Oh. Well, we're getting to the good stuff now, right? Paul describes the foundation of the Spirit-empowered joy producing hope in us. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
There it is. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Friends, what are you longing for in your life? Uh, Michael did the, the devotion uh, yesterday uh, at our board meeting, and, and he talked about finances and, and, and dollars and the love of money and, and that sort of stuff. What do is, what is we, as believers, what do we put uh, our hope in? What are we hoping for? I, I, I won't lie to you. I hope to win the lottery. I don't play the lottery but I hope to win it. I don't know how that's good. My wife tells me, tells me that is a mathematical and statistical impossibility. Um, I don't, I, but that's a hope. Is my hope found in money? Is yours? Is your, your hope found in your spouse? Or in your kids? Is it found in your work? What is your hope found in? Because Paul, in Romans, has made it abundantly clear that if you want joy in your life, the joy that is talked about through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, your hope actually has to be found in the glorification of God. <sighs> That's a hard one. Because that means we have to take whatever is in us Move it to the side. Die to ourselves so that God can be raised high. And we can say, God, I want you to return so badly because I want to spend an eternity with you. But that's not why I want you to return because I know that when you return that the whole world is going to see you for who you are. And you are going to be glorified beyond all measure. Because I want you to be glorified in life. I want it to be about you. My hope is in your glorification. And my joy is found in that hope. Because one day God is going to return through his son Jesus Christ. And we are going to live in an eternity with him. But all of that brings about the greatest glorification of our God that we could ever imagine. And that's what we should be longing for. And we don't have that here. Yet, we have glimpses of it and we have tastes of it. And we have people all around us that exist in our works and in our friends and in our families that don't know Jesus Christ. That they too can bring glory to God through their lives and we can be a part of that picture. And if it's really at the core of our being that we bring about the glorification of God, then we share the gospel message with the people that we come in contact with. We are the gospel message to the people that we have come in contact with on a daily, momently basis. Because we know that by presenting the gospel message and being the gospel message that we bring glory to God in it. And that produces joy. This isn't 
a giddy, superficial, emotional feeling of happiness. This is right down to the core of your being. Joy. This is how the New Testament typically describes joy that we receive from the Holy Spirit. Hope in the glory of God's grace received by faith fills us with the joy of the Spirit. See, Jesus is watching the Father by the power of the Spirit reveal the gospel of the kingdom to little children and to fill them with the hope in the glory of God's grace towards them as they believe in it. That moved Jesus to rejoice in the Holy Spirit that we read about in Luke 10, 20. Levi, you have the opportunity to offer a little bit of hope to a young man that needs it. And in turn, you're going to find joy in that, I promise you. Real joy. It was hope in the glory of God's grace towards them that filled the Gentile disciples with joy and with the Holy Spirit as they believed the gospel. And it was hope in the glory of God's grace towards them that filled the Thessalonians with the joy of the Holy Spirit as they believed the gospel message, even though they received it in much affliction. We all know from personal experience and observation that Christians are not always filled with joy of the Holy Spirit. The fact that the New Testament repeatedly draws our attention to specific instances when believers experience this joy shows that the early Christians didn't always experience it either. But Paul said that joy in the Holy Spirit is a crucial dimension of the kingdom of God. It's something that we are called to pursue. For joy is at the heart of reality. And if the Spirit dwells in us and we have the one who is ultimately joy dwelling within us, so the experience, the joy of the Holy Spirit is to experience the joy of life to the full, life indeed. Not only that, but it is experience this to, sorry, experience this indomitable joy. Uh, we have to ultimately be empowered by the, the Holy Spirit himself. For the Spirit-empowered joy can't be destroyed by any type of persecution. It can't be destroyed by any type of suffering. It can't be destroyed by various trials or sorrow or even a sentence of death. Spirit-empowered joy is joy to the full. In fact, it is the hope of this joy that is set before us that helps us, like Jesus, endure all manners of adversity, suffering, and death. And that is because this joy of God is an eternal joy. It lasts and will outlast death and only increase in us as we increase in God forevermore. Indeed, it is the hope of this eternal joy that is set before us, which we lay hold of by faith, that makes us more than conquerors, 
over any would-be obstacle to the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. Friends, you want to experience true joy? Experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You want to experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the joy that that brings? Then set your hope on something that is worth setting your hope on. That is ultimately, set your hope on the glory of God. Let's as a church die to ourselves and be made alive to Christ. May it be about him and his kingdom, not about us and our earthly domains. I started this message by talking about our identity. Our identity is in Christ through his work, his death and his resurrection. And it is through that work, as the song we sang, brought us the helper in the Holy Spirit. To go and live a joy-filled life. Not, <laughs> not wealth and prosperity and all those. I mean a joy-filled life through our hope in the glory of God. And I promise you, if you make that your purpose, your life will be transformed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for all that you are. God, it is, it is our prayer here as your followers to make this space that you've provided for us about you and your glory. God, anybody that knows you, that has been indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, they just have a longing to be with you. And Lord, we, we want you to come back so bad because we know that that's going to bring you the most glory and that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. But God, we also don't want any to be lost. So Lord, we pray that you would indwell us with the richest, most profound joy through our hope in your glory that is brought about by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So that we would become doers of your word, people that present your son, Jesus Christ, to the lost for no other reason than to bring you glory. Lord, it's not about notches on our mantle. It's about you. And that's what we pray for. So as we go for the remainder of this week, Lord God, being fueled by your word, I pray that each and every one of us would be able to make your glory the primary source of our hope and joy. We pray this in your son's name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a blessed week, everybody.